Ahoy there. Welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. This is a show where we explore the science, the stories and the strategies of getting out of our comfort zones so we can find where the magic happens for us. Today's guest, I am chatting with Lisa Tamati, athlete, author, speaker, running coach, mindset coach, uh, and a myriad of other things too. So Lisa is a bloody impressive lady um, who has overcome some pretty tough obstacles and gone through some pretty low lows to complete a lot of the endurance sport events on the planet, as well as some other massive, massive challenges Um, And today she is going to share with us a few of the lessons that she's learned going through this process, uh, taking on these challenges and dealing with all sorts of uncomfortable situations Um, and is going to share with us as well uh, a little bit about what she's learned about herself through this process and why we should all get uncomfortable. With that being said, thank you guys so much for getting uncomfortable with us today. Lisa Tamati, welcome to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. How are you today? Oh, I'm very comfortable to be here. Actually, thank you. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to change that pretty quickly. Eh, I think. Oh uh, no, I'm I'm really glad to be on your show, and thanks for the honour of, of having me as your guest. Oh, not not a problem. Um, Lisa, I usually like to start by asking the question of people like, "Who are you? Where Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Were yep. there any kind of experiences in your youth that have have shaped your life direction? Yeah, so I'm from Taranaki, so born and bred in a little place called uh, Bell Block, which is just outside New Plymouth, and I live in New Plymouth now. Um, so I had a wonderful sort of week fix kids upbringing, if you like, um, outdoors all the time and very active and sporty kid. And um, later, uh, so then when I was an adult, I, I – uh, Went to live in Austria for 13 years, so I lived in Europe and travelled all around there. And um, I'm an ultra marathon runner. Is probably what I'm, you know, most well known for. So that's sort of running any distance over the the marathon. So from 50 kilometres up to you know hundreds of kilometre sort of races. And I've been doing that sort of like for nearly 25 years now. And um, had some crazy adventures all the way, all, all over the world, you know, from the Himalayas to Sahara to Australia to, you know, Africa and America, everywhere. Um, and through all those journeys, had some really high highs and some really low lows. But the funny thing is that I'm really not a talented runner. So it was really weird that I became an endurance athlete, if you like, <laughs> a professional runner when I'm actually – uh, I was an asthmatic as a child, severe asthmatic. I'm still an asthmatic now, but not so bad as I was. Um, that definitely shaped who I am because I had to learn to fight really hard for everything that I wanted as a kid, um, as far as sports, as you know, keeping up with other people, um, being able to control my physiology through things like breathing, you know, uh, exercises and, and meditation and things like that. But I think I learned a lot of good lessons from 
from that, even though, you know, it was a bit of a, a negative thing really and is still a negative thing. Um, so I think the funny thing about my story is really that I've done what I've done despite having no talent for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I... I'm sure you have a little bit there, Lisa. Um, I want to I want to unpack that a little bit with you, though. Um, so you with the with the breathing and meditation side of things, was that something in your athletic pursuits that you realised was was important near the beginning of that, or was that something that you just kind of there was a hump you struggled to get over for a while, and then you eventually found this approach to it. Well, I think um, as far as being an asthmatic was concerned, I was always, and I didn't, you know, I couldn't articulate this or consciously think about this, but as a child, you know, the worst thing you can do when you have an asthma attack is panic because you have to control your breathing as best you possibly can, and that means getting into a very calm state, rocking, meditating, if you want to call it that. I didn't call it that as a child, but that's exactly what I was doing in order to control my physiology. And I think having the struggles that I would have, um, you know, when I would be out, say, with Dad tramping around in the hills somewhere, or, you know, we sort of lived on a little farm and, you know, outdoors all the time, um, having to push harder than everyone else just to keep up with everybody else because I had a very small lung capacity as well, um, very small VO2 max. I learnt to fight really hard. I learnt to be tough because what that's what was expected as well. I wasn't mollycoddled as a kid, you know, like it wasn't, oh, you've got asthma, you can't go out in the rain or the cold or anything like that. It was like, you know, you know, put on a jacket and harden up, you know. Um, and I think that that was a great way to, you know, for, for my parents to to deal with, with this. Um, but it did leave some scars as well, you know. I mm. think uh, in and out of hospital constantly and when you have a severe asthmatic as a child, you know, it's a frightening experience that, you know, is a near-death experiences a couple of times, um, which, you know, I think that marks you and, 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 and makes you a little bit different as well. Um, and then in my family, I think, you know, what was valued was physical, you know, physical being sporty and being hard and tough and, you know, that was what was cool when I grew up in my family and what was expected, my dad, you know, wanted me to represent New Zealand. That was his mission in life, you know? Mm. And so I had a lot of pressure as well. So all that combination, I think really, uh, made me who I am today. A lot of that. And then, you know, sub subsequently in my early adult years, other people who came along, um, shaped and formed my mentality more than anything and it's it's my mentality that's what where I stand out that is you know like uh, running wise I'm very very slow I have a three and a half litre lung capacity I have a VO2 max that's way below average I can train forever and never be good at running in the mountains or whatever but I found ways around things and I found that I could go long and I could push hard and I could you know push to a degree that most people wouldn't and that's that's the, uh, that's the strength, I think. That's where I had the talent. I didn't have the talent of being, you know, you, you put me in a t local 10K race and I'm in the middle of the pack if I'm lucky, you know, um, if not towards back somewhere. <laughs> mm, yeah, and I think like that's the that's stuff that I'm interested in discussing with you today as well is, I mean, you, 
people can go out and do a do a physical challenge no matter how daunting it is and they can like your body is is going to get through it kind of almost almost regardless of sort of where it's where it's at yeah you probably need to do some training for it but you can you can train train up it's your it's your mind that you need to you also need to train as well because I did my first ultra marathon this year and it was it was brutal Um, (laughs) and it was it was so much more a mental game because the hardest part for me was between k's um it was a 60k race and it was between k 25 and 40 yeah. That I find them found the most challenging because I'd yep. already accepted pre-race that the last twenty k's were just going to be horrible. Yeah, but it was yeah that that hit me then, and I was just like, oh, this is this is I'm I'm so sore, I'm so I'm, I'm in so much pain, yep. um, and I was yep. in I was in more pain at the end, but I I was handling it better, and you you see that kind of finish line, and then you actually you find it somewhere to to speed up a little bit. Yep. It wasn't it felt like I was going real fast, but someone videoed it and, and I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um yeah, it, it it's yeah. The mindset is the is the interesting the interesting thing to me. So I mean you when you were growing up it was always kind of valued to for you to to get on with it and, and push through things and um yep. kind of just keep up keep up with everyone else which is like it's a it's a great way to kind of get your body used to doing that and get your mind used to doing yeah. doing that and just when you're when you're out doing fun things with the with the family as you started to transition from your that that physical side of things into more of a kind of competitive athletic pursuit Mm-hmm. How did you develop those those mental skills that you needed? Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I certainly didn't have them as a young kid. You know, like I had, I had certain things. Yeah, I would push hard and stuff. But I, I remember, oh, I was, I was a gymnast as a kid, and that, you know, mentally, I could not handle the pressure of the competitions as a, you know, twelve, thirteen year old girl. Um, Tell to pieces, would throw tantrums, you know, all those sort of things was dreadful. Um, so I think I developed later on an ability just to hang in there um, more than any anything. Um, there's different types of pressure, you know, that you can be under. You can be under performance pressure, as in like in a gymnastics competition where you're being judged, or you can be under massive pressure because you've got to run, you know, 300 k's across the Sahara. Not you know nonstop and you're all alone. You know there's different types of things, and I think I developed. You don't wake up one day and go, well, you know, I'm gonna become an ultra marathon runner. It was something that I fell into through a series of things that happened in my in my life. In my early twenties, I was uh, with a young Austrian guy uh, for five years who was an extreme athlete, and he really showed me the world. We did lots of, you know, cycling trips together and climbing and trekking and, you know, all sorts of adventure stuff all around the world. Um, but he was also a very, very hard man. So, you know, um, it was the upbringing but on steroids. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, I never had any he, – he was very unsupportive, you know. He was very critical of everything that I did and would put me down. And So that was another set of challenges, you know, trying to keep up with this – this person who was, you know, physically superior, 
in every way, shape or form and being criticized constantly because you weren't keeping up, you weren't fast enough, you weren't good, you know. Um, and that really nearly, very nearly broke me um, after five years of, of life with him. Um, and that actually came to a, a head when we were doing a crossing of the Libyan desert as a part of a four-person expedition. And this was a legal expedition across a military bad zone, you know, in an Arab country, not not, a, not the safest thing in the world. Mm. <laughs> um, things came to a head there, and in the middle of this 250k trek, without you know, we had no outside support, so we had to carry everything on our backs. We had, um, well, I had the lightest backpack of 35 kilos. And we only had two liters of water a day, so we were all under severe pressure as far as dehydration was concerned. You know, um, incredibly beautiful place, and we wanted to write a book on this place and um, cross. You know, we'd be the first people to cross this part of the desert. Um, and in the middle of this, it's, it's a bit hard because I haven't given enough background story to it. But um, in the middle of this, it all came to a head and he was criticizing me and telling me I was useless and I should be helping him with the photography and so on. And I physically wasn't able to. I was actually on the bones of my ass, basically. Um, and so he left me. And that was a turning point in my life where it was probably the lowest, lowest of the low, you know, and what ensued after that. So he left me there with the two other guys and we survived and we got out, but it was touch and go. And I spent you know, really the next four to five years trying to find out who the hell I was because it just was totally destroyed physically. It took me months and months to recover from it. Um, but mentally and emotionally from the scars of this, what I would call an abusive relationship, um, that took a lot long, longer to heal. And the reason why I share that story is because I was 27 at this stage and I hadn't even started ultramarathon running. But this is when I started it in that deep, dark phase of my life when I was trying to find out who the heck I was. It, was, it had no self-esteem, no self-confidence. Um, I'd always been you know, told for the years that I was hopeless and useless, and I thought I was. Um, but there was a little voice inside of me that kept saying, you're not useless and you can do this and you're going to prove to everybody, you know, and, and prove to him in particular. Even though he was gone out of the picture, I wanted to sort of prove that I wasn't this useless thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was. So I ended up doing something called the Marathon de Sables, which is a very famous ultramarathon in Morocco. And this was the first event that I did. And I'd compared it. Actually, I was reading about it in a magazine. And I was, this is a couple of years after the Libyan Desert. And I started comparing distances and thinking, hang on, I could do this. And they're touting this as the toughest race on earth, blah, blah, blah. Um, and back then I thought, shit, I want to give this a go. I'm going to have a crack at this because I reckon I can do it. And that was a really turning point for me. I managed to, you know, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I was, I managed to get there, got some sponsors on board, got down to Africa and, and ran this race across Morocco. And it was a turning point. It was a wonderful experience. I was surrounded by all these incredibly positive, amazing people, all on this massively difficult undertaking. And the comradeship there and the, the amazing experience of it all and, and and coming out the other end and doing extremely well, you know, like it was my first – I hadn't even run a marathon or anything at that stage, like running-wise, and I think I was like 10th or something in the woman out of 70, and there were 700 runners and I was in the top couple of hundred anyway. And that was like a real oh-my-gosh moment, you know, a real aha moment 
I can do this. I'm not hopeless. And, of course, I was surrounded by people telling me I was great, you know, like good on you and patting you on the back. And that's exactly what I needed at that stage of my life where I was very broken. Mm. Did that kind of just really shift your perspective about yourself? Totally. And then, and so that's why I just then dived headfirst, of course, into every ultramarathon I could possibly find. Mm. <laughs> and I had no knowledge of training or overtraining or electrolytes or nutrition or how to train for such things. I just, and back then, hardly anyone did because, you know, this was, you know, 20 something years ago, 25 odd years ago. Um, there wasn't that much experience in the sort of ultra endurance realm. And so, you you know, you just went out blindly and, and had a crack at these things. And I just was hooked. After that first event, I was hooked. I wanted more of that experience. I wanted more of that confidence building and that ex- amazing, incredible places that you got to go to. So I just did one after the other after the other. And that slowly uh, rebuilt my whole world, really. It rebuilt me, who I who who I perceive myself to be, it gave me, you know, strength of character. And this is why I'm so passionate about it, um, about now sharing all this mindset stuff because I've come from a place of, you know, being in an absolute quagmire of depression and suicidal and thinking I was the lowest thing on the planet Earth, feeling very unlovable, you know, and all this sort of thing. And running turned that around for me. It was a catalyst for me to find to start stepping back out into the world to start rebuilding who I am, um, and this is why I think like what you, you your podcast is about being uncomfortable, getting outside that comfort zone. And I can tell you, you know, each one of these races was certainly outside of the comfort zone. You know, I was terrified at the same time as being excited, um, but by pushing myself outside of that comfort zone, every time I would grow a little. And this is the beautiful thing about pushing the comfort zone, you know, about pushing those limits out is every time it's not only, it's not about the event really. It's not about the finish line. It's about the journey that you took to get there. It's about the discipline, the daily grind that you went through in order to become this person who could do this thing. And then you actually achieve it or you don't, you know, failure is a part of this journey as well. There's many of those. When you, but you, when you go through that journey, it's what you learn from it that's far bigger takeaway than the medal at the hang around your neck at the end. You come away knowing who who you are. You you know how far you can push yourself. You know um, you get to meet incredible other people who are positive by nature. You know you don't generally people who do this sort of thing aren't you you know people who are negative and not going to go anywhere they tend to be overachievers they tend to be highly ambitious um and uh, you know amazing incredible achievers so you get you surround yourself with these types of people and and then hello you start to grow as a person yourself and then you know the years ticked by and i've had an incredible career when i look back over it with some really you know catastrophic failures and some incredible successes and I don't regret any of it you know I've um very very glad for the chance that I've had to you know it's been a privileged life and the fact that I've got to travel to all these places and do all of these crazy things and it's been painful it's you know I've absolutely destroyed my body sometimes um but now I can take all those learnings and share them with my coaching, with my mindset academy, um, and I'll never ever be that broken little girl that I was, you know, at 27, 28, 29. Um, 
I'm a, you know, a, you know, you come out of this a strong, confident. I can take on any. T- I can do anything that I set my mind to because I know how far I can push myself. You know, um, mm. and that's the beautiful thing about this sort of stuff. You can then apply it into a business setting. You can apply it into your personal life. And it doesn't mean to say I've got it all bloody sorted out. I haven't definitely not got it all sorted out. But what it means is I have the framework to work from. I have the tools in my toolkit to go and make sure that I don't get into those situations again or I or I, I have a, a framework of of an identity of who I am. Um, and this is, I think, one of the beautiful things that, that ultramarathon, along with other sports, you know, but can bring you when you start on that journey to health, fitness, uh, respecting yourself and pushing you beyond what you think you're capable of. You suddenly realize, hello, the horizons are, you know, they're endless. So I think, yeah, that in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fantastic. Actually, I I really enjoyed listening to you to you talk about that. And yeah, I think as as you say, it's um, it's about yeah that you learn so much about yourself when you when you push your limits and you get uncomfortable, as well as as well as growing as a person. And I think like one one thing that is important in that as well as paying attention to the journey as well. Sometimes we get so outcome focused that that's that's all we focus on and we don't kind of take those learnings away from from the journey. And I know I'm I'm not saying that um that that has happened at all in your in your instance, but I I know for myself that I've found that sometimes if I if I get too outcome focused, I don't actually enjoy the process and I don't enjoy what is um like the, the learnings that I'm gleaning as I go through this and figuring out about myself. That's a very pertinent lesson right for me right now, actually, because it's something that I have struggled with because you, you always are so goal-orientated when you're doing all these sort of things. And it's only with hindsight that you can look back on the journey and see actually, you know, that the pathway was more important than the, the finality of actually crossing the finish line. Um, and I know, you know, I'm a very, very impatient person. I want things now, you know. I want things to happen. If it doesn't happen within the next 24 hours, you know, it's taking too long. And <laughs> I think that's uh, a really good lesson, actually, for me to remind myself to actually to to, to actually enjoy the process of getting there. Because um, you, you do, you know, you want that success. You want to finally have that race behind you or that medal around your neck or that degree, you know, on the wall or whatever it is, but that journey is is your life. That is 99% of your life that you're going to be on this learning journey, whatever it is, whatever challenge you're doing at the moment. So you better, um, you know, I've often found myself in the last couple of years um, reflecting on the fact that, hang on, I'm, I'm, I'm too tied up in the busyness of being busy and missioning here and mission there and goals there and achieving there that, you know, sometimes you forget to sit back and just go, oh, crikey, you know, what an amazing, you know, like just patting yourself on the back for the successes that you've already had. The fact that you, you know, actually managed to get out the door today and go for a run or whatever it is for you, you know, those little successes that you overcame yourself. Um, uh, And someone once said to me a few years ago now, it was about four years ago, and I was running in the Himalayas, a 222K race over the two highest passes in the world, an absolute mission of a race. 
And I got to the end of it, you know, and it was a year and a half's work and I, you know, it was, was hell on earth and I went to all sorts of dark places and I got through it and I had an amazing team. And I got through to the end and I was talking to my, one of my crew guys afterwards and I said, oh, he's going, oh, you're amazing, you know, that, that's incredible what you just did. And, and I just, yeah, but so-and-so did it better and, you know, there's a longer and better race and so-and-so's better and this is better. And he said, hang on a minute, you know, did you just listen to yourself? You've just done this incredibly humongous task that most people would never contemplate doing in their life and all you can see is the next highest mountain. And and I, I it really set me on my ass for a minute, and I thought, yeah, you're you're right. All all I am is doing is is okay. I made that. Let's I negate what I've already achieved. Where's the next highest peak? And there's always someone better. And when you're always comparing yourself to others and always looking for the next biggest, more hugest, you know, impossible goal, you actually you're not actually integrating that that win and that success that you've had. So I really started to take that to heart and start to, you know, hang, yeah, actually integrate this experience that I've had before I go and rush off into the next one. And I think that's an important um, lesson to learn as well, you know. Celebrate the successes that you do have before you charge off into the next blue yonder, yeah. you know. <laughs> do you do you schedule time in to do that now or how do you, how do you how does it look for you? Yeah, so uh, you know, like up until about about that time, actually, when I, I started to after that race, I was pretty much burned out. My my body was complete toast. I was, you know, I'd been going so hard for so long that I needed to pull back. And now I try to pick and choose my races. And what I try to get my athletes to do as well is not just go. I see because I see quite a lot of ultra marathoners do this. They have their first success or their second, and, and then oh my gosh, they realise they can achieve anything, and then they go bang, bang, bang. I'm going to do one after the other, after the other, after the other, and then within two years they are completely and utterly burnt out, and they don't know where, where the hell to go from there. And the, you know, speaking from real personal experience here, um, I thought I was invincible. Like you know, it got to a stage where I was just doing massive races back to back. You know, things like Death Valley and 24-hour race nationals, and you know, I ran through New Zealand, and then I did another Death Valley, and then I, you know, I just went bang, 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 and all of a sudden my body just went enough. You, you know, and that was um, hard, a really hard lesson to to take because it was like, well, hang on, why isn't my body doing what it's meant to do? Why isn't my motivation where it's meant to be? And why am I struggling so much? And once again, I started to compare myself to you know people like Dean Carnassus and Scott Urich or older athletes and going, well, they're still going. Why can't I go? You know, um, and but really coming to the realization, I've been on a health journey this year that I've done some damage. You know, not surprisingly, really. <laughs> and I've had to go and actually re, you know, re have a look at what I'm doing and recalibrate and, and start putting some energy back into my body and taking time out. So, my advice would be, you know, you go for these massive missions for sure, but pace yourself. If you want longevity in the sport and you want to be doing this at 70 or 80, you're not going to be doing it if you're going at the pace that I was going. So, you need to have one or two big events a year where you're, you're having these recovery phases in between, where you're doing some cross-training, where you're giving yourself mentally a break from it instead of just going, 
uh, I'm super tough. I can just handle it, bang, 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 because that's fine for a while until your body says, nah, that's not. And, and I see it a lot. I see it happening a lot to ultramarathoners. And, you know, there's some genetically gifted people out there who this rule does not seem to apply to, but they're very rare um, and don't necessarily, you know, count yourself as one of being one of those lucky ones. Um, you need your recovery phases. You need your build-up phases. You need to, you know, train, you know, like my husband is doing a lot of races at the moment and I try and time him so that his he's doing quite a lot in the winter and then in summer he's surfing. That's his priority in summer. And he has it not completely off running, but completely off the goal-oriented running of huge, big races because you need that time to reset, I think. Um, you can't just go – and this is really hard, I think, for overachievers, people who are you know, high uh, executives or sports people or elite athletes or um, students who are really you know, academic. You, you believe that you can just push harder, harder, and hardest and there's going to be no consequences and you just need to toughen up and get on with it. That's good to a certain degree and we all need that drive and that ambition, but there has to be a balance point where you start to put back into your body and put back into your mind and your soul so that you're not just emptying, you know, like running on an empty tank constantly um, and having that time out just to recoup, regather yourself, Find out where, what direction do you want to go in now? You know, do you want to keep doing the same old, same old, or you want to go some other direction? You know, having that time, in other words, for reflection and having that time for the body and the mind to catch up with what you've done, especially when you've, you know, done some brutally big physical challenges. I think mm. that's. Yeah, and I think that that applies across physical, but it also applies in other areas of your life as well. If you've got massive mental challenges that are going on as well that you're looking to overcome is having some time to to do something else afterwards. And it's um, it's not always easy, especially if you are kind of have a tendency for overachieving. And I've got a like a concept that I use as well, which kind of applies in this situation. It's I just call it be your friend. That actually, if you like a lot of the stuff that we we say to each other uh, ourselves, hey, I need to keep pushing. I need to keep going. I need to just work, work, work. This person over here is is doing so much better than me. Um, yeah. I should be able to do this. Why can't I get there? Why aren't I there yet? I need to push harder. I don't have time to take a break. Yep. <laughs> Would you say that to one of your mates? Not at all. Why are you saying it to yourself? So I think, yeah, you kind of – D- explain that concept and what you've just been talking about as well and it's, it's something that I struggle with too and yeah. um, is, is making sure I take that that recovery time for myself I'm better at doing it from a physical point of view as after I've done an event thinking okay cool I'm I'm going to stop and I'm going to have a bit of bit of chill time and like I don't know do some do some yoga or do some swimming or something just to sort of keep moving but in a gentle way, yes. But I'm yes. not so good with the other parts of my life as well. Kind of pushing with other projects that I'm that I'm working on. Yeah, it, it's totally hard because you you know you have a, a push hard mentality and a in a you know be tough and don't be a wimp and get on with it and and your competitors are working. You know, like in the business sense, you know, running businesses and doing stuff like what you're doing too. You know, you you know that your competitors aren't sleeping and you've got to you've got to be up with the play if you don't want to go under. And so there's a certain amount of pressure of keeping that continuum going and that 
um, you know, especially when you're trying to get, um, you know, I've got a number of companies and they're all in different states of disrepair and, you know, you, you've got to flap your wings hard to get off the ground sometimes and run really fast to get up in the air. But once you're up there, you can glide a little. So it's okay to go hard for a little bit of time, but knowing that you can't stay at that flapping the wings running on the, you know, you've got to get to that time where you're going to be gliding for a while um, and, and hopefully soaring and getting higher um, and not pushing to the point of absolute depletion mentally or physically. And you understand that as a physio, you must see broken athletes all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But equally so in the mental and personal space, the emotional you know, um, it's o- it's it's okay to go and spend an hour with your girlfriend or your 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 partner or your your husband and just stare at the sea. You know, it's okay to sit and have a glass of wine instead of working on your latest project on the computer. You know, and that's something that I I think lots and lots of us, especially with this twenty four hour accessibility with with digital stuff and you know all the technology, we're constantly having to be available. Um, and I know as an entrepreneur, you, you don't go home at five o'clock and switch off. Um, and that's a, a dangerous, uh, balancing act. Um, mm. haven't exactly got it right myself yet, but I'll report back when I do. <laughs> good, good. We'll get you back on the podcast when you, when you have got it. Lisa, I know you've got to shoot off in a, in a minute. Um, if people want to find out more about you and the stuff that you're doing and kind of the coaching that you do or want to jump in and have a listen to your podcast, which is yeah, in a very – like it's a, it's kind of a similar vein to, to this. It's all about mm-hmm. kind of pushing yourself and expanding. Where can they do that stuff? How can how do they go about yeah. that? Yeah, so my, thanks for that, Chris. I, um, great to get a plug. Um, it's – my podcast is called Pushing the Limits, and once again, it's available on most podcast apps and stuff, but you can get it on iTunes and, and the like. Um, or my the best place to contact me or, or find out what I'm doing is at my website, Lisa Tamati, that's T-A-M-A-T-I, uh, .co.nz. Um, and if you want the podcast, it's forward slash podcast. Um, so I do also uh, a lot of motivational speaking. I have a couple of books that I've written, Running Hot and Running to Extremes, and I've produced a number of documentaries if people are interested on um, my adventures around the world, and they're mostly viewable on my YouTube channel. Um, things like the Gobi Desert, Death Valley, uh, Australia, the Himalayas, there's quite a lot of uh, docos on there. Um, and I'm also a running coach. I have a company called Running Hot Coaching and dot com um and so we take absolute beginners right through to you know elite ultra marathon runners and teach them everything around running and getting them to the start line of their next race so we do personalized running programs as well as um standard sort of digital packages and we base that on a really holistic approach to, to coaching which includes your mindset which includes your mobility training your strength and conditioning as well as your running plan and your nutrition and supplementation guides as well so we we look at that in a very holistic uh point of view um and then lastly i have a a mindset academy which is all about yeah all the stuff about how to develop mental toughness about emotional resilience about how to develop a never-quit mentality, leadership skills, all of these sort of really important skills that um, are important for athletes right through to executives, right through to entrepreneurs. I mean, everybody can from be- can benefit from 
uh, more of these mindset skills. And these are some of the things that, you know, I've just learned because I'm very old now and I've <laughs> had <laughs> an interesting life with lots of ups and downs. Um, and I love to share those learnings and it's in a fun sort of a online course that's not hard to do and it's um, really entertaining. It's, and uh, I have a lot of other people who have shared their insights, people like Sir John Kerwin or world record holders like Pat Farmer or Naresh Kumar, adventurer. Um, who else have I had on there? Oh, yeah, quite a few amazing people that shared their insights. So it's not just from me. So that uh, is called the Mindset Academy is called The Path of an Athlete, and once again, that can be on my uh, my website, uh, lisatamati.co.nz. Fantastic. So, yeah. It sounds like great stuff to check out. I'll link it all up in the notes for the show. Lisa, do you have any strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Um, how would I? Yeah, I, I have a big conversation with myself about why I'm doing this challenge, and I need to understand my why. I need to understand my motivations, in other words. Why am I doing this? Who am I doing this for? Why, what, you know, if you don't have a very strong why, when the going gets tough and when it gets scary, you're going you're gonna to waver and you're going to falter and you're probably going to pull out or, or give up. So if you can understand what drives you, whether you're doing it for your kids or whether you're doing it for your partner or you want to prove to some bugger that you, you can do some, whatever it is that fires your, your, your belly up and gets you motivated, understanding that why and understanding what result you want out of this. So what is it, you know, if you're training to do this marathon, you know, what is it that you're wanting to get out of that? You know, what are you hoping, what's your after state what do you want to be when you've achieved that understanding those sort of couple of things can really help uh when when the going gets tough and then having conversations so if i'm going into you know the likes of bad water or something death valley um i have a conversation with myself about how much i'm willing to go through to get to the you know what does this goal mean to me in other words am i willing to walk over burning coals to get there and if I am, then I know, then I'll have that conversation and I'll understand that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there and I'm not going to give up. Because if you have that sorted in your head, then when the, the proverbial hits the fan, you're not going to, you're not going to quit. You're going to find a way around that obstacle when you're hit with it with something. I mean, recently I had, um, my mum had an aneurysm, which is a bleed in the brain about 21 months ago now. And this was the biggest learning curve of my life, if I can just share that story mm. with people quickly. Um, she was left fighting for her life, and when she did survive after, you know, uh, in and out of a coma and was left with the severest of disabilities, she had virtually hardly any higher function. She had a couple of words, but she couldn't – she didn't know who I was. She had, you know, memory was totaled. She couldn't move her body in any coordinated fashion. She couldn't – she couldn't even push a button. She didn't know who she was. She was a toddler in a, in a woman's body. And they said to us as a family, you know, you're going to have to put her in a rest home. There's no way that um, you're going to cope with her once they let her out of hospital. And I just absolutely flatly refused because I know what people are capable of and what the mind is capable of if it's given a chance. And so I, I scoured the world for answers for her and I came up with something called hyperbaric oxygen therapy. I've now got a clinic, actually, <laughs> doing that. Um, and a long story short, she they told us she would never do anything again much. 
And now, 21 months later, and I work with her seven days a week. I have an entire regime that I put her through every day, which include, and I'm not a physio or anything like that, but I've taught myself uh, everything from functional neurology to neuroscience to hyperbaric oxygen therapy to, to nootropics to everything that I needed to get her back. And now, after all this time, she's reading, writing, talking, walking, driving cars. She's back fully in life. We, she's out of the wheelchair, she, you know. And the only reason that she is doing all this again, and and the people, the doctors are just saying, how did you do that? How did you take someone from who's seventy five years old, who parts of their brain are dead? How did you retrain them to be, you know, spatial awareness, balance? Um, you know, you as a physio will know exactly. You know, she had no midline, so she couldn't sit, she couldn't find her mouth. Um, to take her from a level like that through to being a fully functioning, intelligent woman again um, has been the biggest journey of my life. Um, and the, the key to it was is that we really believed it was possible and I would I would do anything. I did whatever it took to get her there. You know, it's cost me uh, a fortune and money. It's cost me a, a huge amount uh, of time and effort and energy invested. It's um, It's cost me my health. Um, partly this year, but that's okay. I was prepared to do whatever it took, and now she's back, you know. Mm. And I think that attitude of never, ever giving up, every obstacle, finding a way around it, never, never stopping, never letting anybody tell me that she could not do that and she would never do that again, never take no for an answer. And once she started to come back to us, she is also as determined as I am. Um, and so now she's got the bit between her teeth and she's often, you know, we're not running yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> awesome. Lisa, thank you so much for sharing that, that story with us today and, and all of your insights. And I also want to say thank you for kind of being an example of, of what's poss- possible and, and showing us how to, how to push the limits. It's, it's awesome to see and it's, you're a, you're a shining light with that. Thanks, mate. That's very kind. I've got one <laughs> quick question for you. Do you yes. have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Oh, gosh. You, are, you ask the hard questions, don't you? <laughs> I try to. <laughs> I, I would say, yeah. I mean, you know, we're on the show talking about getting out of your comfort zone. I want you to go away, guys, and just have some time and reflection with yourself and find out what, you know, we're, we're reaching the end of the year. It's time when we all reflect on, you know, how that year went and where we want to go next. And we have all these New Year's resolutions and stuff that usually last two days and we're back in there. But what I want you to do is go away and reflect on who you are, where you are in your life. See if there's any limiting beliefs that are stopping you becoming any old, outdated prejudgments that you have from others or yourself that you've put on yourself that you can perhaps get rid of now and become somebody new in the new year taking on a new challenge, whether that's a physical or a mental or whatever it is in your career, and and just stopping those limiting beliefs. Let that 12-year-old self that keeps telling you you can't do something, tell them to shut up because it's no longer relevant to who you are today as an adult. Um, So go and have some time for reflection, reflect on those sort of thoughts and and what you want to have a go at, and then never let any naysayers, when you decide on something, Say it's, I don't know, running a marathon just as an example and maybe you're 40 kilos overweight and you've never run in your life and people look at you and go like, whatever, 
you know, you're never going to do that. Just use that as fuel to fight you, to fire you up to prove those naysayers wrong because they're hardly ever right. <laughs> that, I love that challenge, Lisa. Um, thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. <laughs> you certainly got me out there, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,